Hebrews chapter 12, we're, we're taking a step away from our uh, Zechariah study this week for Thanksgiving. I was listening to some music while I was driving to the Cleveland area this week, and um, I just kept hearing songs about Jesus Christ, songs about Jesus Christ, and I was thinking about Thanksgiving. And just I just had this thought, I'm thankful for Jesus. <laughs> How many of you are thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ? So go to Hebrews chapter 12 with me. Hebrews chapter 12, let's start reading in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I've heard people preach that text that, you know, my Meemaw is up in heaven watching what I'm doing. And so since she's watching me, I need to behave well or whatever. That's not what this passage is talking about. If your Meemaw is in heaven, she's looking at Jesus. She's not looking at you. Amen? Amen. And what this is talking about is the cloud of witnesses that are represented in Hebrews chapter 11. We've just gone through the testimony of all of these people and that cloud of witnesses is the, the, they are the saints from Hebrews 11. So now verse 1 again, Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's stop there for just a second. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for coming. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for the songs that have been sung and the opportunity to worship you and exalt you. But Lord, we understand that the worship continues through the preaching time and that the, the preaching of your word is worship and the hearing of your word is worship. And Lord, we pray that you are pleased by what is done today. Thank you for all that you're doing for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. What I love about verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, do you notice that we're not a component there? Because you don't do anything for a gift. You can't work for a gift. That gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a wonderful thing that is. He is the author and finisher. Do you know what that means? That the responsibility is not on me to keep my salvation. It, I heard Bob Jones Jr., he was one of my dad's favorite preachers. I heard him say when I was a kid, that if my salvation was based on my feelings, I wouldn't be saved until I had my first cup of coffee in the morning. How many of you could say amen to that? That's exactly right. So it's wonderful that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So let's finish that verse. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. And verse 3 is the text that I want us to take for today. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your own minds. Are you thankful for Jesus Christ this morning? We need to consider Him. Do you know when we take our eyes off of Jesus, that's when we get focused on the problems in this world. And let me just tell you something. They are real problems. They are very real. But I don't know how people make it who don't know Jesus. Because this life is hard. This world is full of trouble. And yet, Jesus Christ has promised to take us through it. So let's just consider Him for a little bit. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is I'm thankful for how he came. 
I'm thankful for how he came. And we're just going to go through the scriptures a little bit. Look at Genesis chapter 3. I'm thankful for how Jesus Christ came. Do you know that no man was ever born the way Jesus was? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says, this is, remember this is right after the fall. Satan has tempted Eve. She's eaten the fruit. Adam saw what she had done and he ate the fruit. Then they start making excuses. And now God pronounces the curse. And look at verse 15. It says, and I will put enmity, that's war. That's what that word enmity, it's strife, war, battle. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. So that's between Satan and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his feet. Now remember, women don't have seed. The seed comes from the man. And so this is the, the it's in, in theological terms, it's called the proto-evangelium. It's the, the pre-evangelism. It's the pre-gospel. This is the promise of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Isn't it funny? It, it, people think that, that, Satan, that Satan has messed up God's plan. God knows exactly what he's going to do. And all the way back at the beginning, he had decided the way that Jesus Christ would come. All the way back at the beginning. God looked through time and he knew that he would create man and that man would fall. God knew that Satan would fight against him. God knew that Jesus Christ would need to come. God knew that the people would reject Jesus Christ and would crucify him. God knew every bit of that. And he ordained before the foundation of the world that Jesus Christ would be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He ordained all of that. He understood all of that. He made his plan on all of that. And then he said, let there be light. When man fell, when man fell, God already had a plan for the virgin birth, the way that Jesus Christ... You see, Jesus Christ was born like no other man. He did not have a human father. That is the significance of the virgin birth. Remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. It says, thou hast prepared for me a body. Uh, I call that the night before Christmas. Lo, in the volume of the book it is written of me. In the blood of bulls and goats thou hast had no pleasure. Thou hast prepared a body for me. And what was the purpose of that body? So that body could be beaten. So that body could be whipped. So that body could be pierced and hung on a tree. And then that body could have a, a spear thrust in its side. And then that body could put in, be put in a grave. And then that body could rise again the third day. The reason, the way that he came, I am thankful for the way that he came. The Bible says, for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Because Adam sinned, because Eve sinned, that means that sin is in our very bodies. And that sin is passed down through the Father, the Bible says. And so Jesus Christ was born without a human father so that he could be our sinless sacrifice. I'm thankful for the way that he came. And then that he came, he did come, isn't that right? I'm thankful for what he did after he came. I'm thankful for what he did while he was here. You know, we've talked about the what would Jesus do bracelets. How many of you have seen the what would Jesus do bracelets? And we know that that's very subjective. Because you could imagine what Jesus would do. I think if we were going to have a bracelet, it needs to say, what did Jesus do when he was here on earth doing things? And then what did he tell us to do when he left? That'd be a big bracelet, right? <laughs> but we, because that's not subjective. Look at, uh, look at Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 10. 
Remember what's happened in Acts 10. God has told Cornelius and the Italian band, I think that's funny, to go and find Peter and Peter will give them the gospel. So while Peter is giving them the gospel, look at the statement that he makes. Acts chapter 10 and look at verse 38. How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about, what are those next two words? And healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I'm thankful for what he did. And do you know what he did? He did good. He did. It's interesting that Romans chapter 10 says, there's none that doeth good. Have you heard this question? Why do bad things happen to good people? How many of you have heard that? Here's the answer. They don't. Because there aren't any good people. There's none that doeth good. That's why Jesus had to come. See, when Jesus walked the earth and he lived that sinless life, the Bible says we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Another reason for the way that Jesus Christ came was so that he could physically feel what temptation is like. That's why the Bible says there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will with the temptation make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. The Bible says that our temptation is common to man. Common to man. And Jesus Christ in his flesh, felt the same temptations that we feel. Now, here's the good news. Yet without sin. That's what the passage in Hebrew says. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet, that, that yet is an important word there, isn't it? Without sin. Now, here's the important thing. You have to remember this. God cannot sin. How many of you know that God can't sin? If you know that, raise your hands. You know that. All right? So maybe you didn't raise your hands. I'm going to have to go all the way back to the beginning and teach you about who God is. How many of you know God can't sin? That's why Jesus needed a body. See, Jesus Christ was 100% God. He did not yield his deity. He did not give up his deity when he came. He was 100% God. What he gave up was the free and independent exercise of that deity. Notice what the verse says in Acts chapter 10. Look at it. It's very interesting. Verse 38 again. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. What are those next three words? It's interesting. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. That's what Jesus said after his resurrection. While he was on earth, he did everything through the power of the Holy Spirit. He yielded the free and independent exercise of his deity. Why did he do that? To show us how we are supposed to live in this sinful world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ did that for us. Have you ever felt powerless? You ever been in a situation 
where you feel powerless. I feel that way all the time when I'm in the hospital with someone who has a genuine need and I'm there to pray with them and I wish that I had the power to heal them. Powerless, completely powerless. Dealing with the government, you're completely powerless. You got to do what they say, right? Imagine Jesus Christ who has all power. Remember, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All Things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Is that powerful? He set that aside. Remember what it says in the book of Philippians. It says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation. Jesus Christ, the way that He came, that virgin birth, and then what He did while He was here, He was completely sinless, doing good while experiencing the same temptations, the fear, the, 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 the weariness, the pain, the struggle. He experienced all of that, yet without sin. I'm thankful for what he did while he was here. Because his doing good while he was here, that gave him the moral authority to be our substitute. Praise God. I'm thankful for how he came. And I'm thankful for what he did. But look at our text here again. I'm thankful for how he died. Verse 39. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Look at what it says. Whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Whom they slew and hanged on a tree. That song, since I was a child, I haven't heard it in a long time, but it's always struck me that he could have called 10,000 angels. Now understand, one angel is all it would take. And he could have called 10,000. Remember, that's what Jesus said. I could call legions of angels if I chose to. And who did he say that to? said it to Peter, and Peter's cutting off a guy's ear when they're trying to take him. I've often thought of those angels. Remember what those angels are for. Keep your place here in Acts. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Talking about Jesus, verse 3, who being the brightness of His glory, so Jesus is the brightness of the Father's glory, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. I want you to think about something. This is kind of fun. This just struck me as I was reading that. So yes, if you're wondering and you're keeping track, this is a rabbit trail. Um, when Jesus died, when Jesus died on the cross, it was his body that died. He did not cease to exist. Think about this. The Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. Again, physicists don't know how atoms stay together. They shouldn't stay together. We know how they stay together. Jesus does it. 
by the word of his power. Is that what the Bible just said? If Jesus had ceased when he died, everything would have gone away. Think about that. Isn't that an amazing thought? If Jesus had stopped being God when he died, everything would have ended. Now, how many of you can tell we're still here? (laughs) He did not end. Praise God. The physical body died, but God existed. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. All right, so let's go back and... This is now we continue our previously scheduled programming. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The book of Hebrews is the the theme of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is better. All right. He's better than the law. He's better than the angels. He's better than Levitical priesthood. His sacrifice is better than Levitical priesthood. Right here, notice what it says. Remember it said in in chapter 12 that he is the author and finisher of our faith. I like it when it says it right here. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Remember, Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is the only begotten. You might have a Bible that in John 3.16 takes that out. Well, then that's a contradiction because the Bible says that we become sons of God when we're saved. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. That goes back to that virgin birth. All right? For unto which of the angels said at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth, look at this, in the first begotten into the world, he saith and let, what's that next word? All the angels of God worship him. All the angels worship Jesus. Do you see that? That's what they're created to do. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. So God created those angels, and the purpose of those angels is to worship Jesus. The purpose of those angels is to serve Jesus. That's why when Jesus Christ was born, the angels are singing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. That great host of angels that's there. Now imagine when they are watching Jesus Christ being beaten, being mocked. Can you imagine? I've always imagined those angels looking at the Father. Let us go. Can you imagine? Let us go. But Jesus said no. Go back to the Acts 10. Look at at the, the wording. Verse 39. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who slew him and hanged him on a tree. See, it's very important. Remember last week we looked at this is the curse. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone 
that what? Hangs on a tree. Do you understand that when Jesus died, he was made to be sin for us? Keep your place in Acts. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm thankful for the way he came. I'm thankful for what he did. And I'm thankful for how he died. Verse 21, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. How many of you already know the things that we've said already? Would you raise your hands? You already know these things. Isn't it good to hear it again? I'm thankful for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him... Look at the next words. What's it say? To what? To be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. Remember what we always say there, that I'm so covered up in sin you can't see me. Jesus is completely clean. On the cross, God made Jesus Christ to be sin so that I could be made the righteousness of God. So now when God looks at me, he sees the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. That I stand before you today absolutely sinless and perfect before God. In my flesh, I'm a wicked sinner, just like every other person in the world. I sin daily. I sin many times a day by choice and by omission. I wish I didn't, but I'm wrapped in this flesh. If any man saith he has no sin, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Is that what the Bible says? Uh, But here's the good news. In Christ, I am completely clean. I am completely sinless. I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was willing to be made sin for us. When I was a child, the passage that talks about the serpent in the wilderness. Remember when they, they were be, bitten by the snakes in the, in the wilderness. And they, they made this brazen serpent, lifted it up on a pole. And if they would look at that serpent, then they would live. How many of you know that story in the Bible? And then in the New Testament, it says, As the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And it bothered me so much that you know that Satan is the serpent. How many of you know that Satan's the serpent? As the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. How can we identify Jesus with the serpent? Because if we could have seen with spiritual eyes Jesus Christ on the cross, if we could have seen what he was made for us, he would have looked worse than Satan. I'm thankful for how he died. Because when he took on him the sins of the world, that means we can be clean. Not just a little bit, all the way. I'm thankful for the way he died, that he was willing to be slain. Let's go back to Acts chapter 10. He died. He was slain. He allowed himself to be killed on a tree, bringing the curse. But he was that sinless sacrifice. So I'm thankful for how he came. I'm thankful for what he did. I'm thankful for how he died. But I like this. I'm thankful for how he won. How he won. 
Praise God. Look at the verse 39 again or verse 40. Him, this is the same Jesus, right? Him, God raised up the third day and showed him, what's that next word? Not to all his people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. I'm thankful that he rose from the dead with the power of God. When Jesus Christ died, remember what they said to him. Prove to us that you're God. And he said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And he spake of the temple of his body. That's what the Bible says. Sometimes people will say, prove to me that Jesus was God. He he did already. He rose from the dead. That proved that he was, is, and always will be God. Now, he's not the only person to rise from the dead. Lazarus rose from the dead, right? But he died again. Jesus Christ rose from the dead alive forevermore. Amen. I'm thankful for how he won. Now, notice how he did it. He did it, first of all, through the power of God. See verse 40? Him, what's it say? God raised up the third day. He raised him up the third day through the power of God. And then he was shown openly. He did it publicly. He did it publicly. Everybody didn't see him, but specific witnesses who could tell the event were chosen according to the scriptures. And we know that's 500 of them according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Him God raised up from the dead the third day and showed him openly. Not only was he seen, but look at what it says in the middle of verse 41. Who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. He rose bodily. The body, that same body, that body. Remember how he came? That virgin birth, that body. That same body that was put on the cross. That same body that was put in the tomb. That same body rose from the dead. And that same body was able to eat and drink with his disciples. That bodily resurrection. I'm thankful that that demonstrates how we are going to rise. I had the privilege to participate in Lowell Sims' funeral uh, Friday. And what I always say at the graveside is the reason that we take such care at a Christian funeral is because this body is being, that's being buried is the same body that's going to rise from the dead. And Jesus Christ is going to change it like unto His sinless, perfect body at the resurrection. That's why the Bible calls Jesus Christ the first fruits of the resurrection. He was the first one, and He's going to do that for us. I'm thankful for how He won. Because He won, do you know what that means? We will win too. Because He lives, we shall live also, the Bible says. Praise God. I'm thankful for how He came. I'm thankful for what He did. I'm thankful for how He died. And I'm thankful for how He won. And you know what else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for how He's coming back. Look at what the text says. And He commanded us, verse... 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Jesus Christ is coming back to judge the quick and the dead. And I want you to notice something. It's pretty interesting. Look who's coming with him. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter 1.
verse 7, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with who? Remember those angels that didn't want to be held back? Wow. Look at the next verse. In flaming fire, taking what? Vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He shall come to be glorified in His saints. That's us. And to be admired in all them that believe. That's us. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Praise God. I'm thankful for the way that He's coming back. Look at the book of Jude, right before Revelation. Verse 14. Remember, we just read that all of those prophets in Acts 10, they testified of Jesus who was going to be the judge of the quick and the dead. Remember, just said that? Look at Enoch. <laughs> Enoch. Look at Jude, verse 14. And there is, the book of Enoch is not what's being spoken of here. It doesn't say that Enoch wrote. It says he prophesied. Amen? Okay. We don't believe in all that. It's called the pseudepigrapha. We don't hold to that. How many of you just hate the pseudepigrapha? Raise your hand. You just hate the pseudepigrapha. Okay. Why? Because they're anti-legomena. And all the people said. All right. Verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam. I never thought we'd be speaking in tongues at Grace Baptist, did you? And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints. I want you all to say, that's me. That's me. It's like three of you coming back. (laughs) Verse 15, To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly, among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Remember, we're talking about those angels that are saying, hold me back. They're coming back. They're coming back with Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the way that he comes. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the way that he came, the virgin birth. I'm thankful for what he did. He went about doing good. I'm thankful for how he died, slain of the Jews, hanged on a tree as a curse to take our curse. I'm thankful for how he rose. He rose in the power of God. He rose bodily, physically. He rose alive forevermore so that we can live also. I'm thankful for how he's going to return in judgment. But listen, I'm thankful for what we are supposed to do with this. Go back to Acts chapter 10. I'm thankful that he didn't just give us the information and then leave us alone. Verse 42 again, Acts chapter 10 and verse 42. And he, what's that next word? Commanded. Is that a suggestion? No. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to, what's that next word? Testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick 
and dead. Folks, it's our job to tell people that Jesus is coming back. That Jesus that is special because of the way he was born. That Jesus is spe- that is special because of the way that he lived. That Jesus who is special because of the way that he died. That Jesus that is special because of the way that he won. And that Jesus that is special because of the way he's coming back. That's the Jesus that we are commanded to testify of. We are commanded to testify of. How many of you are thankful for everything that Jesus Christ did and is going to do? Let's tell somebody. Let's tell somebody. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to hear it.